This is a crowd podcast. I had, a, I had a Lego Bugatti that I bought. Tell us about the heat. <laughs> it's the Rick Mail of And he boxing. always delivers. He does always deliver. Is there anything you would have done differently if you were to do it again? If anyone could do it, you'd probably say that he would be the one. It was like chaos. No one really knew anything. Didn't know how to get in. Let's get on with it. I'm George. He's Deck. Hello. It's the George Groves Boxing Club. Well, George, it's our first ever bonus episode. Not quite as long. This one won't keep you that long. But it's uh, it's a big week in boxing, isn't it? It is, yeah. You've got Andy Joshua out in Jeddah in Saudi Arabia trying to reclaim his heavyweight world title uh, against Alexander Usyk. It's a big week of boxing. It's that time of the year where you never used to get big fights. Like, you know, People are usually on the holiday. Their brain isn't on boxing. So this was like the off-season. It almost mirrored football a little bit. It's in Jeddah, in the sun, Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, which you know very well. We uh, So I got to the final of our boxing super series and we went to Jeddah for the final. Uh, the tournament sort of sold the rights, I think, or, or something or other, but we ended <laughs> up in Jeddah. And uh, it was a buzz that it was like, wow, we're stepping, you know, we're doing something new, brand new. They'd never had professional boxing before. They'd never had held a world title before. So it was it was tough. It was, it was really tough and it was um, at times bizarre, but also I must admit exciting to be, you know, pioneer in making a new ground times have changed a little bit haven't they because we've had a few since then so you were the first British boxer ever to defend your world title in, in Saudi but since then we've had Khan not world title fight but he's been out there obviously Joshua's been out there already and beating Andy Ruiz so he sort of knows the drill although that was in Riyadh and this was in Jeddah specifically other side of the country they're kind of trying to open the doors a bit aren't they? and that was how you ended up there I think they're trying to make it a bit more of a destination, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's what we we were we, being told, that, that that was their idea. They, were, they spent a lot of money wanting to put on big events, sporting events, and then, yeah, we were the first, and then after us, it was Andy Joshua, which I went out and covered for Sky. And I could see the difference already in terms of access and the way that Fight Week was set up. It was a lot more similar to what we're used to in the States and in the UK, where a little bit more organised, a little bit more open and friendly, and... The people around it were a little bit more boxing intuitive. So when I when I got there, you know, I remember the press conference, the, the questions that were coming out were from people who had never seen a boxing fight in their life. It was like chaos. No one really knew anything, didn't know how to get in. I remember asking you at the press conference whether your missus could go and stuff like that. It was all, or even fans could go, how to behave out there. You know, there's all these things about can't wear shorts outside and like there's all these different information you were getting. Can you remember what that was like handling that? Did you try and sort of shield yourself from all that? Yeah, I mean, I had a lot going on for that fight because I was arguing with the with the tournament about a few different things, and I was trying to prove fitness essentially because I dislocated my shoulder in the semi final. Mm. They were I'm in an hour and about the date. They wanted me to box sooner than the September date that that we finally landed on. Um, and I understood they had a tournament format that they wanted it to be an annual thing, and they wanted it to run perfectly smoothly. And they had been blessed, you know, could, the, the cruiserweights couldn't have gone any better. They had all the champions in; they're all fit. They all showed up. They all boxed. I think that was like relatively zero headache compared to like the super middleweight division, which had a lot more stuff to contend with. But visas, we didn't know about visas. I spent a lot of money and my lawyer had to spend a lot of time making sure that the visas were fine. We never really got much help getting that done. We didn't take any females. I mean, there was no females in my team at the time, but obviously the guys have partners. My wife would always come to a fight, but we we left her at home because we wasn't sure about logistics once we got there. The place itself, lots of friendly people, very hot, like very, very hot. You're not outside that much, and why would you? But 
you you have that that feel of you don't want to spend any time outside because it was really energy sapping. Uh, I know these guys are heavyweight, so they haven't got to necessarily um, make a weight. They're probably fully hydrated and eating well this week. But there'll be some guys on the undercard who might not be the same, so they've got to be conscious of that. And say even a heavyweight, if there's any sort of outdoor publication for the fight fight week, you want to be careful because um, it was energy sapping weather in Jeddah, which I think is different to when Joshua was there last time, yeah. which was in Riyadh, Riyadh yeah. because it was it was hotter but not as humid. The facilities were great, the arena was brilliant, the food was really nice, people were really friendly and helpful, but it just doesn't have that buzz there. It doesn't have that fight in town buzz that you'd get if you went to Vegas or if you went, you know, if you was in a big, big fight here in the UK. You say there sort of feels like there's something missing and I I agree because I did the Joshua fight, the Ruiz fight and it was weird because you're used to the Joshua fights being these mega occasions. They're just sort of nobody about because why would there be, especially in the build-up. Do you think that helps or hinders Joshua in his attempts to win this fight and he's bang up against it anyway? Do you think it's good that there's this slightly strange atmosphere or does that hinder him? I feel like when he, he lost to Ruiz, that was a big shock. And then he had to just stick to the game plan and, and he'd get the win. It didn't matter where it was. The crowd and the, the atmosphere wasn't going to play too much of a part on it because really all he had to do was just box well and he would beat Ruiz, who showed up way out of shape, you know, sort of lost the plot after winning and sort of achieving his goal there and then at, at being the massive underdog and beating Joshua. And he's got a rematch. All he's got to do is show up and he'll beat him again. Or at least he'll get paid, you know. So I feel like he he'd already he'd already hit the jackpot. Usyk is another another kettle of fish. He's um sort of the away fighter, champion or not. He's always picked up his belt in someone else's back garden, and I don't think it will matter to him at all. He's just a performer. Like he'll just show up and perform. So he's he's probably boxed in front of three hundred people for, for for big fights and and then boxed in in stadiums as well. But what he hasn't experienced though is Saudi. So Joshua has got that up his sleeve that he has felt that. And do you think it might take him any time at all to adjust, even just throughout the fight week? And it might take a bit of time for him to warm into that. I don't think so. No. I don't think so. Because I think because he's usually contended with everything and he sort of got on with it. So if anyone could do it, you'd probably say that he would be the one who could do that. You know, he doesn't rely on you know, a crowd behind him. He doesn't rely on them sort of things. He goes out and gets the job done regardless. He'll have to be switched on, of course, because Joshua's a big guy and he's he's made some changes. He's got a new coach in, so you can't expect the same Joshua that showed up uh, to fight Usyk the first time as the second time, so he's going to have to be conscious of that. But I still make him a heavy favourite, really, for this fight. And I think, being someone who has travelled well before in the past, you got to still back him as now a favourite. Cast your mind back to that fight and the build-up to it and having to deal with all that stuff with the visas and that. Obviously, you've got this shoulder, which you're kind of a race against time to get fit for the fight. How are you feeling the week before, you know, before you're, mo- you're going off to Jeddah for this strange fight in a strange place? The whole the whole time, literally from the end of the fir- end of the semi-final when I beat Chris Eubank Jr. with a dislocated shoulder, I was like, how am I going to get fit for this final? And we were arguing with promoters of the tournament about lead time. You know, they wanted me to fight in June because they had sort of sold some TV rights. So I was like, okay, but I'm not fighting in June. Like, it's it's the end of February and it's going to take at least 12 weeks before I can throw a punch again. I remember going for a sweat run the morning of the flight. I was all packed and ready to go. And then um, I was, I was flip, going to flip a coin whether I get on the plane or not. And the run didn't go very well. I remember running, walking down the A4, which is not a very exciting Fucking run. That sounds bleak. 
yeah, crying, getting back, uh, and then going, you're not going to flip a coin. Like, just just go. Now it's a little bit more boxified. Like, people in boxing know about it, and you know that if there's a big fight, chance I was going to go to Saudi because they got a load of money, basically. But at that point, it did seem obviously totally distant. Now, you got on the plane, you didn't toss a coin, you got on the plane, you're there. What happens then? Because you can't really be outside. You get shipped to your hotel, I assume. So I'm, I'm Wasserman, sports agency, look after me. And then um, Fari, who worked there, had a friend in Saudi. And I was like, wow, finally, I found someone who's got a friend in Saudi. What about your friend? He's like, oh, he owns the Sheridan Hotel. He goes, Is it, what are the room's like? He goes, he's got you a suite. So I was like, oh, great. Can it, I'll have a suite. Because... Um, you know, a hotel room for a whole week, you would know deck, mm. you know, if you've been on some of the big fights, it can get quite repetitive. This suite was the biggest suite I've ever been in. It must have been like 2,000 square foot. It was bigger than my house. I was like, oh my God, they just had room after room. So I got lost there for a week. And to be honest, it was, it got me through the week because you can't really linger. There's, there's not a lot to do and you don't, you haven't got, you got your friends out there who are, you know, the guys you're working with. But apart from, a, you know, a cab ride to the mall to walk around a little bit and get, I don't know. It's not a great mall either, I remember. We had a Rolex shop, which we went in, and uh, Shane bought a nice watch. That was that was the, the highlight of the trip, to be honest. <laughs> Shane and his Daytona. Um, but, yeah, other than that, I was in the room. I had a, I had a Lego Bugatti that I bought and took over there. Um, have you seen, are you into Lego deck? I am since my son was born. There you go, right. So you, he you have, he you, can't do it. No, you have kids and you're like, I want them to be clever. I'm going to buy them Lego. Yeah. But then you buy them Lego. That they can so never hard. do it at that yeah. age. And like, you could barely do it. I challenged myself to create, to complete this Lego Bugatti. I had a whole week, right? And the bloke I bought it off in the Lego shop in, in Westfield told me it took him like seven hours. I was like, hey, I've got seven days. It's going to be easy. <laughs> it wasn't. It was fucking hard. <laughs> Right. Bugatti Veyron yeah Bugatti Veyron mm. um, they might have had like, this one was blue I don't know if they've changed it up now but I got to a point where I built the front half built the back half and they had sort of connected together classic couldn't do it couldn't do it and I was like at what point so how big so first of all how big are we talking how big was this Bugatti Veyron this Bugatti it's um, it's not life size <laughs> it's I'd say it's about the size of like you, know, you buy a new pair of trainers yeah. and it comes shoe in a box, box shoebox size yeah. yeah that's a generally a foot yeah a foot long okay so it felt long. bigger than a foot long so you got a foot long Bugatti very I didn't okay. measure it up against anything else how long did you how long, how long did it take you to do the front and the back half before you could probably about four days really but um, not sustained work so I was trying to save the mental energy at yeah, times as well do it in like two hour stints here and there uh, I had a, like a presidential banqueting table uh, so I could spread out all the Lego pieces like nice and that's know. the key yeah you've got to be able to see them all I, I appreciate that bit but I don't like that bit do you know what I mean because that's like ugh. once you've done it you're like yes I know where all the the black triangles are I know where all it is you just want to get to the tyres you know because you know when the tyres are going on it's near the end tyres went on I thought, oh, this is, this is it. So I'm, I'm nearly there it's but like then I had to the connect way. them together couldn't do it got Shane McGuigan in Josh Pritchard in. Josh Pritchard is a clever man. Like he's he's he should be an engineer. Like he 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 can. He's a problem solver. Uh, I was like, Josh will do it for me, and then I'll just pretend that I've done it. Shane went, oh, that's easy, isn't it? Do you even need the instructions? It's got about four thousand pieces to it. <laughs> I showed him it. He went, all right, yeah, I can see how you need the instructions. He couldn't do it. Josh couldn't do it. And that was it. So it you didn't. So you out. never completed it. Never completed it. So no. how, uh, I mean, no Jeddah was a complete bust. Yeah, no wonder. I you mean, didn't the win. people are like, "Oh, you didn't win the fight." Like, I didn't complete the Lego Bugatti. Like, <laughs> so he sat in the loft for like um, six months, and I gave it to my mate Ben's kid, and then he sent me a picture of it all together. Like a day later, <laughs> I was like, "And he's only 10. I was like, "Oh, 
That does highlight, though, that there really is not much to do there in a fight week. It's a lonely old place, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, fight places, you know, fight weeks can be at times, you know, and I, I'm sort of really happy in my own company, but you do get in this frame of mind of sort of laziness, you know, just, just loitering, laying about. And sometimes that would happen throughout camps, you know, especially if you did a camp away from home because um, I'd do camps at the Park Plaza in, in Vauxhall when I was training alongside David Hay, and um, we did it for the James de Gale fight. First time I did a full camp where I was, sort of took myself away from home because the fight was so big. You go downstairs and do a session, and the way I was training with Adam Booth at the time, and he used to like to do the punching sessions in the evening. Like most people get the the better work done in the morning, but he was that way round. So you go down in the morning and you do like a, a treadmill sprint session that might only take thirty minutes, and that was like the whole day's work. And then you go back in the gym at six seven p.m. So the rest of the day you're just laying around, and that's tough because you don't want to you don't want to eat too much, you don't want to be lazy, you know, but you can't then go out and waste energy. Um, and fight week can be the same in Jeddah where you're just like, got my Lego, but you're not going to go and sit down to the bar. You're not going to go to the arcade. You're not going to do anything relatively interesting. You'll have stuff that comes up throughout the week where you've got to go to a, a press conference, but the press conference wasn't great. The public workout was in a mixed martial arts studio thing, which was, which was it was a really good gym. It was interesting, but it was a bit of a, a letdown. And that's the first thing we did that week. So it was like, is this going to set the tone for the week? They do lots of things where they're like, oh, can you come and say hello to this kid? You're like, oh, yeah, why? Is, is there something wrong with him or something? You know what I mean? You want to be, be nice. No, 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 he's he's a prince or something. It's like, another one? <laughs> another one? Yeah, and you don't look you don't look royal, but yeah, sure. Like, And they literally you got to walk past and step over about 12 kids to get to this one kid to shake his hand and have a picture. You're like, should we have a group picture? No, no, no. <laughs> oh, all right, cool kids important maybe maybe he's paid for the gym i don't know <laughs> <laughs> there was a really interesting bit where we all thought we were going to get given like mega presents at some point you know like and then they went uh george uh, we, we got something for you got right? some lego and the, well it was in this box and you come downstairs and we knew we'd walked in up to the gym and there was two boxes there and I suppose Callum Smith wasn't there. So I knew it was me plus one is going to get this gift. And I was like, who do I give it to? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> who do I give it to? Who's getting a brand new Daytona? <laughs> I can't wait. It's going to be so good. Went down there and it was, it was crap. It was nothing. It was like, it was this suede box that opened up and it was like some tin plate or something. And I said, thanks. And I, I didn't take it home because it couldn't fit in my luggage. Um, Should have put the Bugatti on it. <laughs> the Bugatti was complete. <laughs> it would have made it. Um, plinth. Uh, we didn't get no free Daytonas, didn't get no free Yacht Masters, no free, no free expensive jewellery. But maybe time to change now, Dick. I'm not going to this, this one. I'm, Callum Swift got invited, but he has to box on the undercard for it. Oh, they should of course, have, yeah. should have invited me. I would have gone out there. and um, Box on the undercard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about the heat. Because that you you were in September, and this is in August, so you know comparable, hot in it. It's very hot. It's very very hot. I mean everything inside is air conditioned. I wasn't hot on the night. I remember, but yeah, outside outside the the heat is is pretty intense, and you end up spending a lot of time inside. You look we looked out the window that it had a swimming pool. This um this hotel it was just one guy. He was slightly overweight, and he was just laying in the pool all day, and I didn't know is he a Brit who's over here and breaking the rules. <laughs> Is he a local Saudi and why is he always on his own? I didn't know the etiquette. You always want to go in the pool, don't you, when you're away? When it's hot outside and you're in your hotel, you're thinking, oh, I could have a little dip. But it was too hot to go outside. I was thinking, nah, it's going to drain the legs. Not like sunbathing, burning type weather. You wasn't scared of, you know, going a bit 
lobstery, which can happen to me from time to time. What a week. What a week. All right, well, knowing all you know about Jeddah and about Saudi, is there anything you would have done differently if you were to do it again? I'm not sure. I don't know. The questions that I don't know the answer to, like, could I have brought my wife? You know, were, that, were, they, were, they, were they super strict or not? I still wasn't sure, you know. Um, I think that's loosened a bit or it's changed now. Because I went out there for, for Joshua and there was women out there, They, you know, working for Sky. Mm. You know, Anna, Anna Woodhouse was out there and she, she wasn't wearing, like, um, a headscarf or anything like that. So, so they, were, they were a lot more relaxed, you know. Um, but the information we got was that wives have to be picked up from the airport by their husband. Uh, if I did fly... My wife in she wasn't going to arrive till like 5 30 or fight day um <laughs> and i was like i don't really fancy getting up early and picking her up and i don't know if i can send anyone else to pick her up you know what i mean i didn't really want that stress i didn't want to be worrying about my wife which you do obviously you worry about people on a on a day when I, everyone's worrying about me so uh yeah i mean other than that i'm sure as i said i'm sure that's much more relaxed and you can get much more information because it's not the first time this happened you say no no this is gonna be fine this person can go here this can be done this can be done so did Joshua get the job done? I don't think so, Deck. I don't think so. I'm a secret Usyk fan. Well, I'm not secret anymore. I've always been a Usyk fan. He was in the tournament when I was in the tournament. And I was just... I remember standing next to him and being fearful of him. Like he, before, This is before I knew it. So he had such a sweet, laughy, jokey vibe to him. He reminds me a lot of Rick Mail. And I, <laughs> and I used to watch... Um, bottom bottom yeah so Way before my, I was supposed to. Um, that might be the and, first time he's ever been compared to Rick Mail. Really? Yeah. That's I just think the light. I think the likeness is it uncanny, is. and obviously I'm a Hammersmith man. So Bottom was live at the Apollo when they used to do a little live tour. Oh, he was a hero of mine, Rick Mel, Adrian Edmondson, and mm. Usyk. Yeah. And he's got that comedic element. He's just got that that face that is Rick Mel. The Rick Mail of boxing. It's <laughs> the Rick Mail of and boxing. And he always delivers. He does always deliver. He's always on point. You did get? Did you get that mail deliver? Fucking don't know why I bother. Forget it. I didn't get that one. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna So the Rick, Mayo, the Rick Mayo, the Rick of boxing, he always delivers. It wouldn't matter if it was in, if it was in Tottenham, if it was in Finchley, if it was in Saudi. Usyk's got Joshua's number, as far as you're concerned. And he's gonna send us a postcard. I cannot wait for the fight. And it's weird because rematches, you know all about rematches. Sometimes are not. There's not that much intrigue, but there's a heap of intrigue here. And he's back in Saudi, where he is one and oh, Anthony Joshua. So. Who knows? Who knows? It, it's very difficult to predict with heavyweight boxing because they're big lumps. Uh, it's not just always one punch can change your fight. It's just sometimes heavyweights don't show up. Joshua shows up, got a new trainer, different men, mind mindset, different tactics. Could be a totally different fight. Always makes it fascinating, Derek. Okay, well that's our first ever bonus episode. Done and dusted, George. How did that feel? It was good. It was, it was good. good. In two days, though, we're back to normal programming. Literally, who we got? We got the Salon brothers. <sighs> We got Kala and Nissa Sowland, or is it Nissa and Kala Sowland? We'll find out. The Sowland Bros are coming in to talk tournaments. Can't wait. Crowd Network, a place where you belong.